Hello, newsies. Uh, hey, welcome to another episode of Get the Flick Out of Here. Uh, I'm your host, Alex Pulaski, and with me is the other host, Kate Elizabeth. <laughs> um, hi, Alex. Hi, Kate. Um, hello, everybody out there in TV land. Um, so, uh, uh, <laughs> There was a phenomenon in the 80s of uh, cute things that talked that shouldn't. That was a, like a, a major deal. Um, and, and Fuzzy uh, tomatoes. Right, right. A lot of things. A lot of things like that. And um, it, part of that phenomenon is the, today's movie, Short Circuit, which, um, which I grew up on and loved. Uh, and probably watched, God, I don't know, 15, 20 times a year in, in the, throughout through the late 80s. Like me and my brother loved this movie so much, we would quote it when it wasn't playing. Um, uh, the, it, it, uh, it spawned a less successful sequel that I probably okay. have seen two or three times in my life and not for 20 years or so. Um, uh, this is a this is a tough one uh, for me to be correctly objective about because <laughs> I associate it so much with fun stuff when I was a kid. Um, uh, but it is one of those things like, oh yeah, no, you, you definitely couldn't do that now. That's that's the thing you can't do now, um, but uh, it, it 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 is it is absolutely a weird flick. Um, it is definitely uh, a weird little flick. It is definitely a weird little flick. You, however, were not as familiar with this uh, going. No. On. So so I want to hear your overall first viewing thoughts of of about this film. Well. It was nice to do one with a robot that was cute. Because the yeah. Maccabee, like, stuff wasn't cute. Mm -mm. Sometimes there's just swings and a miss with mm. the cuteness level. This one, this was pretty mm -hmm. cute. Mm -hmm. um, it was so... <laughs> I understand exactly where you're coming from. Like, it was not good, but it did bring back... I don't, like, remember seeing it a ton as a kid. I definitely mm -hmm. remember having seen pieces of it. Mm -hmm. But like, this is one of those ones where I'm like, this isn't a good movie, but I, but I like it. <laughs> it makes me feel good. <laughs> yes, it is a it is a feel good uh, movie, um, and it is also like going back and watching it for the first time in what has to be over a decade. I was uh, struck immediately by the setup of it of being, it's trying to be. I don't know, political in a very odd, in a very odd way. It's very timely. Like the, the, um, the uh, themes of it. Um, it is, it is, it, it is attempting to have a message beyond here is a cute talking robot. Um, it didn't need to do that. No, no, it didn't. But I honestly, like I, I appreciate it attempting considering like that must have been a hard thing for them to get 
through in Reagan era Hollywood. Like the year before yeah. this, the year before this came out, Red Dawn came out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like th there's there was the, yeah. there was a very very specific subsect of of Hollywood that was like, um, uh, we we hope that the Russians give the Cubans a bunch of money to parachute into a small Colorado town so that we can then shoot all of them with our rifles. And like, that was, that, that was, there was a fantasy that was, that was born out of this. Um, like it is very, it is very funny to me that if you look back at like movies from the eighties, the original Rambo was a hugely anti-cop anti-war movie. And Rambo 2 could not possibly be more pro-war. <laughs> like it could not. And that one came out in 85 and this came out in 86. Like it was, it, it's, it's a very, very, the second term uh, uh, of Reagan's presidency was very, very much um, uh, uh, of, of like the people in the know could see the writing on the wall with like, okay, well, the, the, the Russians are on their last legs. Like they're trying to, to keep to be as scary as they were in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, but that's not it anymore. However, let's keep the American public in the dark about all that and make lots of movies that make them out to be incredibly scary still. Um, because this is uh the it's about a bunch of secret weapons to be used in the cold war like the specific thing that they said they say the the johnny five who doesn't get Jay that five. name and doesn't get that name until the end of the movie um he's just number five through most of it but uh, johnny five is a programmed built to be um a uh it's the, the he's part of a of a of a mission code named Operation Gotcha Last, which is that if somehow the Ruskies send a bunch of ICBMs and blow up America, we can push one button to, to parachute all of these guys into Russia and they'll just drive up Main Street Moscow and blow up Moscow. So if you get us, we'll get you back with this really cute talking robot. And that was like the that was the point of the of the robots were made to be that, and only an act of God, a bolt of lightning from the blue, could make Johnny Five into Johnny Five uh, and make him alive. Uh, it's of course, it's um it's 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 a very interesting premise uh, to like who who is this robot? Oh well, he's he's a he's a he's a non feeling killing machine. Until a bolt of lightning hits him, and then he's everybody's best friend. It is a very odd little little premise to 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 couch your film in. That's just also like, I don't know a lot about electronics, but that's not what happens when a bolt of lightning hits something. No, I mean like he had a he was there was a huge power surge which fried all his circuits. Right. I which don't makes think you there's a human. The, there's there's less than uh, authentic science within the film, um, uh, but uh, yeah. So it's so, knocks so, Finn Balor off the top rope. 
and right. it turns robots yes. into humans. That's true. Both of those things are correct. Um, so uh, the 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 movie uh, uh, starts with a demonstration of the power of said robots, um, where there's right. a, a a tank that rolls over some some flowers in a field because you know they're a Russian tank. American tanks would have not rolled over the flowers because American tanks no. Apparent American tanks know the power of natural beauty, but those Russian tanks. Um, yeah. And anyway, a bunch of APCs and uh, like you know, one of those uh, trucks that carries GI Joes in it. Um, and then there's a bunch of uh, robots that blow up all the tanks and stuff. And then we see that the people in the tanks that are blown up are actually just mannequins. And then we realize this is a uh, a demonstration of these robots called the saint. I forget what that stands for. Um, you can, you can, you can, you can bet N in saint stands for nuclear, uh, but Definitely. everything else, not sure. Um, but they are being shown to, in a demonstration to a bunch of uh, military types. You can tell cause they're all wearing military uniforms and they got all those little, little dealies that say what a big shot they are on their, on their uniform. Um, and they're, they're plotting, because this is the greatest thing ever. We're going to blow up some Russians. This is going to be great. Uh, the guy leading it is uh, uh, Howard Marner, who we will find out later used to be a man of science and is now sold out. Um, uh, but he's played by the brilliant Austin Pendleton, who's a wonderful character, character actor from the 80s and 90s. I think his most famous uh, appearance uh, in a movie most people would have seen was he is the really bad attorney in my cousin Vinny with the stutter. Um, okay. And uh, he's, he's, he's a brilliant comedic character actor. And I honestly love the, the depth of humanity that he brings to this role. Um, there are, there are, there are, this movie is by no means like, Oh, what a work of art. But there's some good writing in it that actually delineates who these characters are and their and their backgrounds and stuff like that. But it's not the framework of the movie that's bad. Like it's it's a no. it's a clear movie, which sometimes mm -hmm. sometimes when we get into this world of yes. robots becoming humans, etc. Um, yeah. what happens is the plot gets twisted mm -hmm. and turned and lost and whatever. Mm -hmm. Um that's not the case here. This is this is just a, a kid's film. But it's like yes. is a clear cut. You understand yeah. the story. There's nothing convoluted about the. Yeah. They convoluted yeah. about the way they tell the story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, this is an interesting from T Electric Mayhem. This is also another great example of this genre. Project X. Have you seen Project X? A long time ago, but yeah. It is one of the saddest movies I've ever seen, where Matthew Broderick and Helen Hunt. Uh, in 1987, so they're both babies, uh, are taking care of some chimps that uh, the Air Force exposes to lethal doses of radiation just to see what would happen if American pilots were exposed to that level of radiation. Um, it's very sad. But also, you know, it's the, the same basic idea uh, behind this. Um, anyway, uh, so um, there are also some politicians you know, bleeding hearts who don't want to blow up the world. What's wrong with these people? Nerds. Um, but they they would like very much to to uh, talk to the person who 
invented these robots and uh, and talked to them. Um, uh, oh, there's a wonderful scene where the 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 killing machine robots make a gin and tonic for for Doctor Howard Marner. Uh, and and like they 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 use they have a giant block of ice and they just go and it explodes into little ice. It's like glass, ice, gin, tonic, <laughs> a squeeze of lime. Your cocktail, Doctor Marner. Like ah, uh, so great. Um, but anyway, uh, oh oh, well they're out there having this demonstration. Thunderclouds roll in. Ominous. Let's move our uh demonstration back to the lab there's a there's a bunch of little robots running around with like uh trays of canapes and caviar on their heads little r2d2 things moving around like would you if like a you cocktail have the power to just invade russia and blow up moscow um after we've already been attacked with a, a nuclear attack right like i you can find a way to waterproof these guys or like you nah, know, no like, resist extremely natural elements seems like no honest. not they're they're still in the prototype phase there's only five of them um they haven't mass produced them yet they'll figure all that out and post um but uh um so this is when they're trying to go and find Steve Gutenberg Who's, who has the wonderful, absurd name of Dr. Newton Crosby, PhD. So good. Um, and uh, he has no interest in being a part of this because no. um, it is never f like absolutely forthrightly said, but it is very obvious that he created the design for these things, not as war machines. Um and he came to work for Nova Robotics in Southern Washington State uh, because they were the best in the field at creating robotics. And then Nova Robotics basically signed a contract to work with the military after he had already gotten there and signed his contract to work exclusively for them. And he's not happy about this. Which, like, um, I appreciated all that context, too. Like, they, yeah. they closed a lot of loops that you didn't necessarily have to, which I liked. Yeah. Um, so he's just trying to teach uh, another robot to play the uh, piano. It has no, no interest in being in it, but they drag him uh, out, out, of, out of that lab back there. Um, and I, I guess this is where you have to start with the, the major problem of this film, especially looking at it from 35 years in the future. Um, there is a character named Ben. Um, ben is um, an uh, Indian, uh, dots, not feathers, and uh, an Indian immigrant because um, you can never can tell with, with movies like this. Indian, not Indian, Indian who is uh, an immigrant, uh, apparently, although he would beg to differ with one of his malapropisms later, um, uh, who is played uh, not by an Indian actor. Correct. Is played by Fisher Stevens, who was actually in the Mario Brothers movie. Uh, he plays one of, the, one, of the, one of King Koopa's idiot uh, helpers in that movie. And in that movie, 
uh, as evidenced uh, by his appearance in that movie, white as a sheet, this man. Uh, they painted a dude brown. Chris Ferrer said renowned Indian actor Fisher Stevens. Fisher Stevens. Um, they painted a dude brown, uh, put a wig on him, and um, and and then had him do a wacky uh, Indian accent. Um, and yeah, they did, Alex. And, and, and for the time period, there was nothing wrong with this. This is just how you did things. It's bad. It's a, it's horribly bad in hindsight. Um, and uh, and it's just the way things were done then, and that sucks. Um, uh, and uh, Fisher Stevens knocks this out of the park, and that's a problem. That's a problem. He's really, really good, and the character, the the malapropisms they give him, are honestly very funny. Like the way that he, um, yeah. he, like he's trying to use American idioms and failing. And a lot of them actually make a lot of sense. Like if you could go back and like deep fake put in an actual Indian actor into this part and just have him read the same lines, there'd be zero problem with this. But, um, but it is, it is incredibly problematic. Um, uh, uh, yeah, it's just, it's, um, it's unfortunate because it, 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 it poorly colors an otherwise really fun movie. And um, I was a child and um, I, this was, it's horrible to say, but this was my first exposure to a person from that area of the world in a movie that I had watched. And that's bad. That's a bad thing. <laughs> you know, that's a bad thing that like, I was like, but, but I, but I, but he, he was one of my favorite characters in any movie through like the latter part of the first decade of my life. I loved Ben. I thought he was so much fun. He was earnest and sweet and uh, he, he was witty and like, um, he always had a, like the right, he's a good head on his shoulders and everything. Like he was, um, he was a, 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 a good guy. He just happened to be played by a white dude who's painted Brown and that's not good. Like that's a problem. <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's like so jarring. Um, now it is. There, there's nothing that can save it, but at least, like, he wasn't written to be a white guy playing an Indian guy. Like, he was, it, it, it wasn't really, I don't know how to say this because it's so awful, but, like, the, the part wasn't written to cast any dispersions on, like, no. being mm -hmm. Indian. Like, he's a, a favorable character. This wasn't, like made as poking fun at or anything mm -hmm. it's just why on to your point they could have just cast someone who was indian in this role just, so it wasn't written for a white guy playing an indian guy which is helpful in that way but like what were we doing as a society yeah. at this time <laughs> yeah i i i 
I yeah, it is it is kind of odd because it was it, this is a a thing that came to light a little bit more with a specific um, area of the world a couple of years ago where they were like, hey, maybe having Hank Azaria voice Apu Nahasapima Petalon on The Simpsons for like 30 years was a bad look. But like, nobody thought any different. Uh, like, it wasn't a thing that like nobody, it never, never entered anybody's brain. Um, uh, for the for for like ten years at least, and then it was a a, a very small um, vocal minority that was like that um, began to grow and like ah oh, yeah it's probably bad. Um, and this is why there are a lot of people who ask me to do impressions of of people outside my race, and it's just like a, that's a no, that's just a no. This is not thing a thing I'm gonna do. Um, uh, but it uh it is a it is a weird thing to watch this movie. Um, I can't imagine watching it for the first time um, uh, now. Uh, but I'm, I'm watching it and I'm remembering all of these lines as he's saying them and remembering how much I got a kick out of Ben, uh, the character, when I was a child and and trying not to feel bad about it. But it's like, uh, I, I was, I was nine. How could I have known? I had no idea, you know? Like, it's, I think, um, to your point too, it, it's, it's played extremely well by someone who should never have been in the position that he was in. Like right. that actual, the character is great. Like yeah. love the character, the way that they went about it is not great. Um, so there's a lot of really, there's it, it, it's just so unfortunate that this is what they chose to do with it because the character itself the reason you fell in love with it is the, he's the character is really great but yeah. man oh man the casting that they did to engineer this was not um and it does like it does take you out of the film now watching it a lot for for me at least like i just you, yeah. you can't stop fixating on it <laughs> The odd thing is, is that the the sequel is built around his character. Like, he, he, the Short Circuit 2 is about the further adventures of Johnny Five and Ben. Ben. And it, and it is it is uh, even harder to watch, uh, particularly because it's a much worse film. Um, but that out of the way, I guess, um, we'll, we'll mention more about this guy through the whole thing. But, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Anyway, he's the one who's able to finally drag Newton Crosby out of his lab uh, to go to this thing. Meanwhile, they're they're um, trying to get all the robot prototypes, the killing machine robots, the saints inside. But number five is still hooked up to the generator. And wouldn't you know it, a bolt of lightning strikes a, a power tower nearby, sending electricity surging into the generator, which then surges into number five and they they oh my god uh this thing costs 11 million dollars uh they're gonna take it out of our salaries uh but wait you know oh my god this son of a bitch takes a licking and keeps on ticking uh i guess he's okay um but he's not okay because um because he's immediately fascinated by uh a, a coffee maker on wheels that 
zooms by him in the hall with a little cord that is flipping around like this. He crashes into a wall. He follows the, the coffee maker on wheels um, and ends up being uh, like blindsided, T-boned by uh, another robot pushing some uh, big things of garbage, which pushes him, pushes him into the garbage um, flatbed truck with a bunch of garbage cans on it. And um, he ends up going uh, uh, on that little truck for a ride oh, past no. the main gates and he's out there um this is uh um of course they've been they, they can't find number five they're very upset by this uh crosby is trying to find it uh doing all kinds of coding um this is where they they this is where they first bring out the the, the little theme that they have um uh it's a machine howard it doesn't get happy. It doesn't get sad. It doesn't laugh for your jokes. It just runs programs. So they're trying to tell him what program to run, which is to get your little butt back here program, and he won't do it. Um, so this is when we also meet uh, uh, Scroder. Scroder is played by G.W. Bailey, who we saw in an earlier film, and I can't remember who, what, what movie it was, but he always plays the same character, just so you know. Of He's course. Also He's also the lieutenant um, in all the Police Academy movies, which is notable because Steve Gutenberg is the hero of the first couple of Police Academy movies. Uh, so they have a, a, a um, working relationship from that. Um, you, you know, you know something interesting. I did not know this because I was slightly concerned about um, the uh, age difference. In our romantic leads, um, I was like, because Gutenberg's got to be 40. And the the year before this came out, Ali Sheedy, who we'll meet in a bit, uh, played a high schooler in The Breakfast Club. And I was like, nah, I'm not sure I love I love this, this age difference. Steve Gutenberg was 28 <clears throat> years old when this movie came out, which means he was 27 while making it. Steve. He's not not looking great at 27. Moisturize. Steve. This is not, not looking great. And Ali Sheedy was only four years younger than him. But also playing wow. uh play, playing a uh um playing a high schooler the year before, which I always found was very odd. Um, I feel like we run into that a lot where it's like you were either 40 or 16. Mm -hmm, <laughs> mm -hmm. I thought that was yeah. like pretty exclusive to Greece, but we see it a lot. No, we do. We just do a lot. Um, so uh, he follows a butterfly. Number five does. And like jumps off of this um, truck out in the middle of nowhere. He says hi to some cows. He just starts on the road going away from this uh, top secret lab in the middle of the country. Um, and, um, and this is when Scroder, who is the chief of security at this uh, robotics lab place but absolutely b believes that he is uh, General Patton. Uh, he's that kind of guy. Uh, but they send out guys to go and try and get him back. Um, please bring it back in one piece. Um, and uh, and then Scroder says to his little jackboot thugs um, if you get, a, you get a shot to take out that robot, you do it. Yes, sir. Um, but they don't get a shot because they're bumbling fools 
And they ended up just like driving directly behind him without seeing him because they're in some kind of little, little, little mini tank uh, that doesn't, they can't see the road, I guess. Um, so they just like end up pushing him along the road um, and over a bridge um, uh, uh, um, from Washington into the state of Oregon. And he uh, ends up jumping off the bridge and floating via parachute down on top of a uh, moving food truck that is uh, being driven by Ali Sheedy from the Breakfast Club and St. Elmo's Fire and War Games. Um, Brad Packen. Brad Packen. Um, and she uh, 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 she ends up driving home with him on the roof. Something very, very heavy landed on her roof, and she, she goes, oh. Yeah. Oh. Just keeps on driving. Just <clears throat> like a grown man fell out of your car. I mean, heavier than that, I would assume. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. It's a like, it's a very it's a very large hunk of metal. Yeah. yeah. Um I feel like I'd at least pull over. That's not like, oh, a branch. Right. No, it's not. Yeah. Um so uh when she gets home. Uh, she finds her ex-boyfriend, Frank, um, uh, who is the the just the most he is the most ex-high school jock character in the history of f- films. Um, he's just he just he just is. Um, and uh, so he's trying to coax her dog Beasley off the roof of her house. Um and uh, it is found out that he is trying to get the dog to put it in a crate to sell it to an animal testing lab. And that's how he's going to get even with her for him, for her breaking up with him, I believe is, is what we're, is, is the gist of this scene. It's a, uh, it's quite, quite the revenge plot from our, our yeah. ex-jockey. <laughs> yeah. Um, a lot of things on roofs. Yeah. You got the car roof. You got the yeah. The dog on the roof. Yeah. Just feels like an yeah. unnecessary revenge plot. Right. Um, the uh, this is also where, where we meet her neighbor, Mrs. Cepeda, um, who is tr- is trying in vain to try and get him to to leave, and but but won't. He's um. She's very very upset and get it the hell out of here. And she's gonna um, hit his Pontiac Firebird, yeah, uh, with with a, with a baseball bat. Says I I I helped I helped you with the down payment for that hunk of junk. You owe me some money, he says. I owe you money. What about you owe me money? Um, uh, she also lives in a very large house. It does. Yeah. This is, a, this is one of those things that I feel like uh, is lightly implied. Uh, but never outright said. Um, I do believe that um, she is uh, some kind of orphan. Like um, that's it, fair. It, it feels like this was her parents' house or her grandparents' house that was left to her. Um, in um, and because she is young, regardless of her not being a high schooler, she's definitely young. Um, and she lives in a very big house. Um, 
and uh, and has has her own food truck business. This feels like here's your here's the house. We left it to you. Also, here's a, here's some money, and she uses a that business. money to start a business. You know, um, it's uh, it's her business. It, the name of her food truck is Stephanie's Snack Shack, which I thought is good. Uh, her name is Stephanie yeah. Speck. Uh, she also um, is trying to find homes for all kinds of animals. She's an animal rescue person who's trying to like um, make sure they don't go to the pound. She will make sure everybody gets a home, including a skunk. She has a skunk. Like she has, she has like seventy five kittens, and um, and she says that she draws the line at snakes, but she has a skunk, which feels less than. The, yeah, this is yeah. also something that if you if you like eight year old Kate would have been like, "Mom, can we get a skunk so fast?" They're really cute, except for the sticky shot. stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah, and like. The sticky stuff is kind of a dominating. Yeah, that's thing. that's the that's so the major part. Yeah, yeah. If you can have, like, I mean, having have people, it's you shouldn't do this. People have, but but people have their like cats declawed. Could yes. you have like your skunk distinct? Distinct. Like have have <laughs> I don't know have the gland that sprays stuff removed? I know, like you know, I don't know, man. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not encouraging this. I'm not condoning it. I'm just wondering if it's a thing that people do if they have. Stuff. I'm just saying, little Kate sees one on screen with an animal mm. that they're not mm -hmm. supposed to have. First mm -hmm. thing I'm trying to do, ask mm -hmm. my parents for one. So, um, yeah. So, <clears throat> anyway, um, remember, number five is just sitting on top of her roof. Yeah, still. Um, the, the, uh, the jackboot thugs uh, came up empty, cannot find it. Um, for some reason, the transponder isn't working properly. Otherwise you would think they would just like, oh, well, that's where it is. So the transponder is not working properly. Um, they keep trying to talk to it via like binary code and it keeps just saying malfunction, need input, malfunction, need input. Um, oh, there's one great part where, where he's, uh, looking at a, um, uh, a Dr. Pepper billboard and is able to send via his circuits over, I don't know, like Wi-Fi? Like it must be some kind of radio waves or whatever because it definitely predates cell, cell phone signals or whatever. But anyway, he's able to send back via whatever network this is the, the slogan, but also in the font that it appears on the billboard it appears on his screen yeah. and says, wouldn't you like to be a pepper too? Um, very funny. Uh, but they can't find him. They have no idea where he is. Um, so uh, this is where um, Stephanie hears something in the background. Um, and... Uh, <laughs> Uh, uh, and goes out. She just she thinks it's Frank in her in rummaging around inside her food truck. But she goes inside, and it is number five, who she immediately thinks is an alien. Um, I knew they'd pick me. I just knew it. Uh, very main character energy of her. Um, very much so. Um, but uh, so um, she's able to coax him inside with uh forward that's the only thing he responds to but he needs input 
Um, again, she believes it is an alien creature of some kind. Like she thinks there's like a little brain in a jar somewhere in there making the robe. She's not stupid. She knows it's a robot, but she believes it's an alien robot. My uh, counterpoint to that is, yes, she is. She is stupid. Yes, it, you're right. <laughs> it is yes. dumb, but that is the conclusion you would draw. <laughs> that is true. Um, uh, but anyway, um, she's trying to like tell him things about like the light switch and um, and animals, different kinds of animals. And, and a floor and a ceiling. Um, but then uh, he, she shows him a picture of an aardvark in the first volume of the encyclopedia, and then he speed reads it in 10 seconds. Um, and so she gives him all the volumes of the encyclopedia, and, af and at the end, this is, we're supposed to imagine, it's supposed to like a little card that says, two hours later. Um, it's, uh, it's more input, Stephanie. Need more input. There isn't any more. You've read everything in the house. Um, and so then he starts walking around like like just dumping pasta out of out of boxes. <laughs> and, ah, pasta, spaghetti. Um, but he's like, he knows everything because he's read all this stuff. Um, so uh, they, they stay up uh, all night. She wants to go to sleep anyway. So uh, the um, yeah the, the the next morning, um, uh, she this is not where he makes her breakfast. That's the next morning. Um, but anyway, um, he oh he watches TV all night. So he now he has like that's right commercials <laughs> and TV shows in his brain. Um, he's got pop culture in his head now. He's got pop culture in his head now. Very spe very specifically, he's been watching a lot of Three Stooges. This, this comes up later. Um, but uh, so um, Beasley barks at him, which makes him scared, and he backs up and falls over the porch uh, into a chicken coop. Uh, she's not at all concerned about the, kid, the chickens that may have died. Uh, but she can tell now she actually sees because he's upside down. She can see uh, the thing that says Nova Robotics. Um, and she immediately knows because she lives in the, in the area. Oh, a bunch of warmongers over there making things that blow up the world. She's, she's very much a pacifist. So she calls the place. Um, I, not to keep bragging on our dear, our dear friend here, but you live by Nova Robotics and your conclusion was, oh, must be an alien robot. Right, right. Not the, not the sharpest tool in the shed there. No. No. Um, also, the um, what was I gonna say? Oh my god, I just lost my thought. I'm sorry. Continue. No, it's all right. No, it's fine. Say? So, was it something about the chicken coop? I think hey, I, it might have just been piggybacking off of like this girl who loves animals didn't care about the chicken coop yeah. at all. Yeah, <laughs> didn't care is, about yeah. the chickadees, and then the Nova Robotics thing too of um. Just nobody ever thinks to call the cops in any of these movies mm, or like yeah. to inform anybody like, oh, alien robot, come hang out with me. That's what yeah. I was that's what yeah. I was thinking on. Was like, yeah. just sure, come inside, read all my books, 
toss around all my pasta, watch my TV. Right. Not at all concerned about what I think is an alien robotic life form just hanging out in the house. Right. Um, so, um, this is, um, this is where the, um, uh, she calls them. This is, I'd like to speak to your, to your head warmonger, please. Um, and is there, um, uh, a reward for finding this thing? Cause she tells them she, she's got it. Um, well, we do have a tour of our local facilities. Um, I could probably get you a student discount, says Howard Marner. Um, and uh, anyway, so they're going to come pick him up. Uh, but she goes outside and sees him, and he is uh, fascinated by a grasshopper. He says, Nova is going to come and get you and take you back. And, you know, they're going to um, open open you up, see what's, see what's going on, see what's wrong. Um, and disassemble, blah, 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 blah. And then he sees a grasshopper and he hops with the grasshopper and he accidentally hops onto the grasshopper and squishes it. When she's like, um, yeah, uh, this can re reassemble, Stephanie. Reassemble grasshopper, he says with his little robot hands. Reassemble. Reassemble, Stephanie. And I can't reassemble him. He's dead. Um, I disassemble? Yes, disassemble all over the place. Like disassemble dead? Disassemble number five dead. Disassemble dead. Then he just um, he jumps into her food truck and drives it away, and she runs after him and jumps onto the back and goes through the back of the van, and he won't stop, and she's he's driving all over the place, um, and he's being chased uh, by. Oh, this is what they found out also because they were sending a Newton Crosby PhD and Ben to go and also uh, try and get him along with the uh, security team. And they're able to corner him at the end of a jetty on the, on the water um, it, by the coast. And um, Newton Crosby is like, no, no, uh, listen, I'm going to go talk to him. He'll be fine. Um, but they decide that uh, they're going to open fire on the robot anyway. Of course they are. Because um, th that's who they are. And um, Newton Crosby is able to run out into the hail of gunfire uh, long enough for, for Scooter to be like, okay, hold your fire. And he's able to uh, hit a button to, to power him down. Um, and uh, Ali Sheedy does not like this Newton Crosby. She doesn't no, like No, not at all. all. Mm -mm -mm. No, he's yep. a liar. He said he was going to not, that they weren't going to hurt number five. Um and and she's grown very fond of him over the past twelve hours. So um, uh, anyway, um, they are going to take him back to Nova. It is they're not great at distance and space in this movie, as far no. as like um, it, this is this is this this Stephanie lives just over the border from Washington into Oregon near the Pacific Ocean. It was filmed in Astoria, Oregon, which is the same place where they filmed the Goonies. Um, but it is uh, a, an unnamed um, town on the Oregon coast. Um, we don't know how far into Washington Nova Robotics is, but I, I don't know how far 
number five went on foot uh, before he was able, he was pushed basically over the bridge into Oregon by the idiots driving the weird little uh, armored, armored vehicle. Um, but driving back to, to Nova, just these two guys in a van, Ben in the passenger seat and, and jackboot thug driving. Um, somehow he was completely powered down, but he powers himself up enough to, um, just by the sheer force of his being alive, um, number five, uh, re like takes off, um, the bullet wounded arm, puts another one on and rewires his switches. Um, and then, uh, Ben and, um, and jackboot thug number one turn around and see him there. Uh, and, uh, and it's like, um, would he kill me if I stop? Uh, who could be knowing says Ben, um, would he kill me if I don't stop? Uh, again, I am shrugging. It's a great line. Um, it is. it's problematic, but it's a great line. Um, and, and then, uh, he says, okay, I'm stopping. Uh, he tries to pull out a, a little pistol, but is taken away from him. Uh, and he says, uh, uh, uh he, lists the manufacturer and the and the and the caliber of the gun and breaks it apart play doh throws it over his head um uh every and, and so he wants to steal the car um okay. and so the, jackboot thug says what should we do now again this is a fantastic uh, bit of uh, this the acting is great the line is great it's just problematic because you painted up painted a white guy brown um there it is uh, but but he but he <laughs> says um what do we do? Well, I do not know about you, but I am planning to scream and run. And then he jumps out of the car and he rounds the front of the vehicle to run and dive into a ditch on the opposite side of the vehicle. And he, about halfway through his sprinting, um, he says, ooh, and then dives into the ditch. So when he says, I am planning to scream and run, what he means by scream is at some ooh. point... I'm going to say, ooh, that, that, it's, a, it's, a, it's funny, uh, but it's just, you can't do it. Um, so, uh, so then the, 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 the robot steals the vehicle and drives away with it. And then, um, because presumably this is the only route back to Nova, um, Newton Crosby PhD pulls up in a different van and sees them on the side of the road playing tiddlywinks. Um, uh, because they don't know what they're going to do because there's no cell phones. And why would you ever walk to a payphone? That's not a thing they're going to do. Um, so they're just waiting there for Newton Crosby. Uh, and then Ben stands up and he's like, he smooths out his hair. Hello, honey. What is for dinner? Yeah. Uh, it's, it's funny. I'm sorry. Just the way he does it. It is funny. It's, it's wrong. It's, it's very wrong. Well but it is funny. Um, yeah. uh, but so this is where we find out that um, she she wants to uh, Ali Sheedy, back at home after her ordeal that night, wants to have a bath. He's drawing a bath for herself and her 75 kittens and her one skunk. And then there's a knock at the door, and it's all of the local TV reporters, uh, none of whom tried to call her first. They just nope. all show up on her doorstep when I ask her about the robot. Are you aware there's a $25,000 reward? Since when? She turned the damn thing in. Um, and it, it's not her fault it, ex it escaped again. She took a $25,000 award the first time. But um, you know who's listening to that broadcast? Old Frank, who's at the pool hall, 
$25,000 and you know where that robot is. And for, and for $25,000, I'm damn sure going to know where it is too. Um, so this is when, um, uh, number five shows back up again. There's another knock at the door, but this time it's him. Uh, he used camouflage, which is a branch held in front of his face. Um, and, there's a lot uh, of cute little nuances like that. The, like there are, there are. Um, like how you can know something without applying it correctly is just like a fun little theme that we get throughout this. Yeah. Um, she. Um, this is where uh, John Badham, who's the director, his uh, most famous um, uh, piece of work that he directed, not this movie. His most famous piece of work that he directed was. Saturday Night Fever, and you know that because he put a lot of clips of his own movie into his movie. This is very much an HBK thing, where he's doing tributes to himself. Tribute spots to himself. Tribute spots to himself. Um, uh, but this is where they watch um, uh, Saturday Night Fever, and he learns to dance. And they dance together to More Than a Woman. It's very sweet. Um, bordering on romantic. Um, and uh, it is, it's a cute, it's cute. I mean, it's cute. I don't know what to say, but it, but other than that, but it's cute. It's cute. Um, it's nice um, having a cute robot, yeah. And uh, and so this is where he explains to her, um, um, uh, number five is alive, um, not malfunction, Bye. um, and uh, and then, um, uh, the next morning, uh, she wakes up and he is making her breakfast um, badly. Um, but he's trying. Uh, he follows the direction on the uh, box of Bisquick of how to make pancakes. He just forgets to crack the eggs before he puts them in the in the batter. And Little he's, buddy. He's, he's using his, his uh, super turbo speed to do the little egg beater. Um, so there's batter everywhere Flying and he's, everywhere. Make, he's making a hash browns, uh, while they're still in the box, uh, by, uh, brown one side, then turn over. And he just turns the whole thing over with the, with the pan now on top. He's trying. God bless him. Cutest. Um, there's uh, like these little human qualities in our little robot friend. Yes. Our robot human friend. And, um, uh, this is where Frank shows up with a rifle and he wants to get the damn. And so he's like, um, he comes in and, um, she plays dumb to try and get him, um, out of there. Frank's and, dumb. So um, and she, 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 uh, what do you, what, like, what do you call it? She, um, uh, she gives him trigger phrases. To, she knows that will cause, um, Johnny, Johnny five to run. Um, tell him where, like, I want to, I'm here. I'm here to take you home, buddy. Um, uh, uh, and tell him where home is. Home is, uh, home is Nova. And of course that makes Johnny five freak out because he knows that means disassemble. Disassemble means dead. So, um, he runs away and she tries to, um, uh, jump on top of him to keep, to keep Frank from, from following. By the time he gets outside, Johnny five has disassembled his Pontiac Firebird um, 
in uh, <laughs> just the, the glorious fashion. Um, yeah, it's great. Um, so uh, he uh, starts using his hunting rifle to shoot at him, but he's like hitting, deflecting it with like a, a brake pad or something. I don't know what it is. I'm not good with cars. Um, uh, but he's able to like deflect bullets. Um, and uh, he's doing um, a John Wayne impression. And um, um, I'll say there, Pilgrim, that likes a part of my hair. Hey, uh, want to play rough? I can sure oblige you. Uh, that's my bad impression of Johnny Five's impression of, J of John Wayne. Um, and he does also, he, he does the, the, the scene from some old gangster movie where he's <laughs> flipping a coin. Uh, you rat it on your friends, Frankie. And that means you ain't got no friends no more because your enemies don't respect you. Um, a delightful 90s trope of like, I have wonderful. to have this weird character montage thing. Mm -hmm. Like we saw in the Ernest movies. Yep. Um, so then, uh, um, <laughs> uh, Frank has uh, run out of bullets, but he's picked up the tailpipe of his own vehicle and uses it to batter um, uh, um, uh, poor Johnny Five with. Um, but uh, he knocks him over and he, he races up over his head. And Ali Sheedy flies in from off screen with a spear to rival Goldberg's. <laughs> just, just right up under the rib cage, knocks him off his feet. Oh, that was that is a it's a great one. It's a it's honestly it's one of the best spears in all of it's all. Rob Breaker could never. Could never. Um <clears throat> I, I I am not kidding when I say it's better than any spear edge has ever given anybody ever. Yeah, it's that really is, good. That is, that is that is true. Um but um uh so uh he's about to punch Stephanie. Uh so so then um uh uh Johnny Fries says, oh, not disassemble Stephanie. So he strategically uses his laser to um shoot all the um shoot the uh, the, the tailpipe until it is no longer very viable as a weapon. And then he shoots the bill off of his cap. And uh, he shoots uh, the, his, his, the heels of his cowboy boots. And then he shoots, finally, he shoots the belt buckle, which makes his pants fall down. Yeah, which it is does. The, which, is the, which is the ultimate, ultimate insult in Aww. the 80s movies. His so pants right. fell down. You're embarrassed now, aren't you there, mean guy? Yeah. He says, I'm, I'm calling Nova and I'm calling the cops. Um, uh, you know you're going to call... Uh, and it's for you, you little pain in the neck. Don't you ever come crawling back to me because it's over. Uh, this is the last time we ever see Frank. Yes, it is. Frank, Frank, which feels... Frank is never... It does feel like that That was a monologue that says, we'll be seeing that guy again, but we never do. We did, we did not see that guy again. Yeah. Um, so uh, this is where they, they try and flee um, again. Um... Uh, and uh, this is where um, number five suggests that they call Newton Crosby, PhD, um, and meet with just him because he believes he can convince Newton Crosby that they get, get him on their side. Oh, this is also 
I, I forgot. This is where they're tried. They're going to uh, Ben and um, Newton Crosby, PhD, are going to steal a van and go look for him. Um, and Howard Marner is waiting for them in the van. I knew you were going to do this. I told you if you left your terminal, you'd be fired. And he's got a gun. Let me get back in there. And um, uh, Howard, you know you're bluffing. Uh, but I also says like. 20 years ago, you'd be out there on the road looking with, looking for him with us. And I was going to say, um, this is why I thought uh, that Steve Gutenberg's character was 40. Because when you say 20 years ago, you were eight. So yeah. I, don't know, I don't know how you know about Howard Marner. And the, you could say five years ago, when I first came to work for you, you were an idealist who, who, knew, you know, who knew what you were trying to do. Um, but I'm not, I'm not an idealist anymore. I'm not even a scientist. I'm a businessman. You sold out. Um, but he's holding a gun on him. It's like, don't think I won't do it. Howard, you know you're bluffing. All right, I'm bluffing. That was a great moment. <laughs> he's like, um, then he tries to put himself in front of the car. says, now I know you're bluffing. You're not going to run me over. You're going to have to kill me. So then he backs up and goes around him. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a cute little mo maneuver. Um, <laughs> um, I think this is an, it's an earlier scene. But there's a moment uh, where Ben says, you know what? They have a saying in my country, something, something, something. And then uh, then he says, hey, I never actually asked you, where are you from? Uh, he says, Bakersfield originally, which is which is funny in and of itself, because that with that accent, there's no way he's from Bakersfield. No, absolutely not. Uh, he was definitely born someplace else. But he says, no, no, I mean, I mean, like, you know, your your ancestors. Oh, them. Pittsburgh. <laughs> and and there's a wonderful like like Steve Gutenberg asks the question and then looks back down at his notes and then hears Pittsburgh and goes there's this wonderful double take um again funny lines just you can't paint a guy brown if you're going to have him deliver those lines correct that's all that's this all I'm saying um so um uh when Newton Crosby, PhD, and um, and Ben get the call that they have been invited to a. It's Newton Crosby at least has been invited to a one-on-one -on -one meeting. Um, they are at a very famous location in Oregon. I grew up in Oregon, so I know all. Uh, I know. I know this very well. I've been there many times. It is the Columbia River Overlook. It is um, very far inland. Uh, I looked it up uh, to get from the the coast because this is the 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 city where where Stephanie Speck lives uh, is on the ocean. You can see it from her house. So you can see the Pacific Ocean. To get from the Pacific Ocean to the uh, Columbia River Overlook is two hours by vehicle. Um, it is it is a wonderful location uh, and it has a really cool view because it's an overlook. And they wanted it for the movie, but the practicality of him them driving back, like driving that far to look for number five by itself, and then driving back the other way is the practicality is not there. Um, sure. They meet at a at a little uh, a little um, cowboy bar um, to talk about um, number five or whatever. She's trying to convince him of all of this. The scene between them is supposed to signify that, like, they're starting to like 
like each other. Or They're whatever. warming up to each other. They're warming up to each other. We can see in the bar, there's Schroeder undercover and all of his jackboot thugs undercover. But that's not the most important part of this scene. The most important part of this scene is that um, Johnny Five is out in the woods around this place and he's pretending to be Vin Scully calling a Dodger game as he's using a <laughs> stick to hit rocks into the into the forest. But then he realizes that uh, number one, two, and three um, are there. They're, they're not there to kill him, to destroy him. They're just there to uh, deactivate him, which is a hard thing to do when you're shooting lasers that we've seen can blow up tanks. It's Correct. a weird thing. I don't know if they have those lasers set to stun or whatever, but he one by one, he tricks them and deactivates them. And then um, uh, with, with fun stuff as well, with little quips and little insults uh, back yeah. and forth. Um, and then There's a lot of really them. cute little scenes in this movie. Like it's... Um... It's nice to have a robot that you're like warmed up to, in a sense. Yeah. Um, he says. Uh, anyway, he he. You can see them reprogramming them. You don't know what the heck what's going on. And then he um, he jumps through the wall of the bar, grabs the girl, um, does this. He he he's, takes one of the little bar tables, shoves it in the face of Jackboot Number One, and goes, "Your table, sir. Here's your table, sir." And then uh, Scroger grabs him and says, no autographs, please, sir. And shoves him away. It was very funny. Um, and uh, and then uh, he's, he jumps to another wall while carrying the girl. They get into a van uh, and, and and drive away. And they're hot on the tails, uh, uh, trails of them is um, Scroger and his men. So he's able to use his laser to uh, cut down a tree, which which then stops them all from following. And then... Uh, Numbers one, two, and three show up, and they've been programmed to be the Three Stooges. And Newton Crosby watches this and goes, "What the heck? How's that?" Um, and uh, it's um, he's uh, he's very bemused by this. And this is also when uh, Ben shows up later, and he describes it like all this stuff, like it's just not possible, and he's just in awe of this. And and Ben's like. So if what you are what do you if if you are thinking what I am thinking you're thinking you are thinking that this this uh, this lady chick is some kind of super hacker uh, no she's not a super hacker because she was sitting with me the whole time and there's no way she could have done this uh, while she's sitting so it must have been the other robot which is not possible um, but that's when Johnny Five shows up. And uh, and uses Ben's full name, which is Benjamin Jabatuya. Jabatuya feels like, and that's a jab, to ya. Um, and it just just feels like it's a it's a that is a not a not a no. Anyway, no. Um, get no. out. Um, and so uh, let's not talk. You don't see Ben anymore. No more Ben for the rest of the movie. Yeah, that was He's, the thing. He, like some characters just disappear. Yeah. But um, they uh, he brings Newton Crosby up to the high desert. By the way, the high desert from Oregon is a good six, seven hours by car from where they were. But we're not going to talk about that because they obviously filmed it in California. So who cares? Um, but this is where they go out together and over the course of several hours, 
the the robot convinces the designer of this robot that he's alive. Um, and he's trying to talk about like 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 what you've been programmed to do this. Like I cannot, I cannot do what I've been programmed to. I cannot disassemble. Like it's wrong. Um, and uh, Newton Crosby, PhD, not know this. Very cute. Um, and he says, "Well, of course I know it's wrong to kill, but who told you? I told me." And it's one of the like. It's honestly like a, 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 it's one of the most profound moments of the entire film. Is just the idea of that we need someone to tell us that it's wrong to hurt another being to the point that they disassemble dead. Um, and we don't. Like, that is the... Um, that's like the prime directive of life. Is, yeah. Is, is, is a thing that we should... That we, that we come into this world knowing that we shouldn't do this. Um, and it is very profound that the, that the, the robot says, I told me. Um, and so they're going back and forth about all of these things. He does like a, a, a Rorschach test. Um, uh, and then, um, I think perhaps even more, perhaps even more problematic than the existence of Benjamin Jabatuya played by Fisher Stevens while painted brown and doing a wacky accent is the fact that the one thing that convinces Newton Crosby PhD that number five is in fact alive is that he tells an anti-Semitic joke and number five laughs at it. The one thing that proves beyond the shadow of a doubt that number five is alive is that he laughs at an anti-Semitic joke. And I feel like that's probably not, not great. The, the baseline you want to create for whether or not something is alive is whether or not they laugh at an anti-Semitic joke. That's not great. Um, for several reasons. Mm. Um, but yeah, that, uh, <laughs> I mean, as anti-Semitic jokes go, it's fairly gentle in its anti-Semiticness. Sure. But it's but, a definitely uh, an anti-Semitic like You would be like the linchpin of this whole thing kind of is hinges on this. What can we mm -hmm. make it? Even a gently anti-Semitic joke, not great. Yeah. Um, but this is what finally convinces Newton Crosby that he is alive. And the reason is because it is a uh, spontaneous emotional response which would not be possible for ro a robot in this thing. He'd have to be programmed to laugh at something or whatever. Right. <laughs> okay, fine. And this is where um, they uh, are surprised that the military has found them, um, led by Schroeder, uh, under the direction uh, of, of Howard Marner, um, and so they leave, uh, Johnny five, number five in the back of the van, 
uh, the the van is rustling back and forth. I suppose like it's supposed to show that he's very scared because he's shuddering so much. Maybe I don't know. Anyway, Stephanie and Doctor Newton Crosby, PhD. Oh, they're so happy that the robot laughed at the anti-Semitic joke that they share a kiss. It's the thing that allows them to love each other. Is that a robot laughed at an anti-Semitic joke? I'm not. I mean, I'm 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 just stating the facts. I'm not. There's a robot. Our own conclusions. A robot laughed at an anti-Semitic joke, and now Ali Sheedy and Steve Gutenberg can fall in love. It's called romance, Alex. Look I it mean, up. it's, it's <laughs> yeah. It's, true. it's it's called romance in the eighties. Look it up. Um. So, anyway, they're out of of the van. He's trying to explain to Howard. Listen. Let me take him back to the lab. I'll prove to you what I'm saying is right. And Howard says, it's too late for that, uh, Crosby. You know what you're doing, blah, blah, blah. So Howard is trying to actually have a dialogue, a hostage negotiation um, uh, with, uh, with uh, Crosby and, um, and Stephanie. Uh, and then some jackboot thugs sneak around behind them, pick them up, and, and remove them away from this thing. Um, and they're going to start just opening fire on this van that has the robot inside. Uh, but out of the back of the van jumps number five, who is who flees uh, down a dirt road, being chased by a helicopter shooting missiles at it. And he's actually going to beat the helicopter. The helicopter turns around and shoots at him as opposed to chasing him. Shoots at him as his, and blows him up with a missile and explodes him into many, many pieces. Um, and, uh, Ali Sheedy in perhaps her greatest moment as an actress, uh, absolutely loses it that this, that this robot is dead. Um, it is the most devastating thing that, that could ever possibly happen to her. Um, uh, and she's and like all, almost an implied orphan to your point. Right. Um, oh yeah. She's definitely lost everybody who was, who, who she's ever loved. The only thing and now she, she was like, she you is, know what won't hurt she is, is if I get to something about human. Filling the void of her parents, her 12 brothers and sisters, her grandparents, they've all been killed in a horrible boating accident. And they left to her this house and what, and, and some money, which she used to buy a food truck and call it Stephanie snack shack. She's filling the void with 75 kittens and a skunk. Her life is a shambles. And she finds this robot who teaches her how to love again. Um, and who makes an anti-Semitic joke that opens the door to kissing. Right, right. Um, <laughs> I forgot about that part. Um, but it is, it is very effective when the army guys, the real army guys, not just like Schroeder's jackboot thugs who run the security detail. No, the like real ones. Actual army guys are walking back to the to their to their jeeps trying to trade limbs and face parts and tread of the robot like hey i got this one look it makes i can make his hand do this yeah but i got the face um and so like uh she just like get me out of here i gotta get out of here so they get back in in the van um and uh and drive off um oh a scroder uh, uh is like now that my friend is how you kick ass 
he says to Howard Marner. It's like, um, uh, years of research uh, down the tubes and you want to throw a party about it. And, uh, and he says, uh, just doing my job, my job, sir. Well, maybe you could, from now on, you could do it somewhere else. And I was like, if there was an option to fire this dude, why was it not done two and a half acts ago? Like this guy directly disobeyed a bunch of the shit that you wanted to do from the beginning of the movie. Over and over and, and over again. Yeah. And now Howard Marner, you finally grown enough. some balls. He's had um, enough, Alex. Yeah. Uh, so uh, they're driving off in Nova van. Uh, and they have a little a little scene where he says, are you going to be okay? Not for a while. Um, I'm sorry you lost. I'm sorry you had to quit Nova. But I'm glad that you're not working for that place anymore. Yeah, that's right. I had to quit. As part of my severance package, they gave me this van full of robot parts. I just don't know how that would have worked. Um but uh yeah um so he says what are you going to do now uh my dad left me some land up in montana i thought i'd go out there maybe start a ranch or something um and then from in the back of the van we hear sounds great let's go and johnny five is back there it turns out that the thing that got blown up was not johnny five but a decoy of himself he had made in 45 seconds out of spare robot parts in the back of that van. J5. So J5. So they've decided they decide they're going to go move to Montana, start a ranch, raise a um, robot. Raise a robot. And also Stephanie is, is uh, going to bring her 75 kittens and one skunk. Of course. Um uh this is do you like animals? Well, how many animals are we talking about here? And he says, says, Great. I'll drive you two work this out. And I just, it's a very cute thing. And then uh, they drive, they drive away. And it's great. And um, uh, I don't, I forget exactly what happens in, in short circuit two, but like 20 minutes into the film, after we've established Ben is like, he's now making toys. He's like Santa Claus. I don't know. Um, uh, but anyway, his new life in some metro, metro, metropolis, it's filmed in Toronto, but they can't call it Toronto because it's got to be America, obviously. obviously. Um, Johnny Five shows up like in a crate because Stephanie and Newton Crosby, PhD, mailed him to Ben. I don't know what was going on on that ranch, but they were like, get this robot the hell out of here. <laughs> Um, and so, yeah, so that's, so that's, that's short circuit. I don't think I missed too much. No, that was, was pretty much it. Um, it is, it's really endearing. Like it's a really, aside from painting a white man brown, um, like it, it has a lot more kind of like heartstrings than a lot of the ones. Cause we've seen mm -hmm. so many types of this mm -hmm. film, right? Like these mm -hmm. tropes a little bit. Um, it's fun that the robot is is a very like human character. It's almost like with Marcel the Shell, where there's like yeah. a a very well executed emotional appeal about it. 
The acting performances outkick the coverage of this film, which helps a lot. And the yes. clarity around the story they're telling is good. And I feel like when mm -hmm. all of those things are in play, um, you can at least like in, in start to invest in the movie, kids movie, adult movie, whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, um, so definitely, uh, I, I would say certainly, I I would keep the flick. Yeah, I would keep the, I would keep the flick too. You It's hard I, to keep a flick when they painted a white man brown. It's really that's a really yeah, hard part. Of it's it. like how do we? But but there's keep like the flick? it's. Um, I I do think that everybody, as you said, like the the acting. Really outkicks the coverage, um, and um, ev everyone does a great job in it. All the all the characters are really cl clearly drawn. Um, uh, there's there, like I said, there's a lot of like. You can feel, the story, that they haven't included. It feels it's so clearly yes. implied. That like there's just there's there's a lot of really great stuff here of of the relationship between these uh, these characters and and where things change for them and why they're unhappy and where they are there and there's some really good stuff. I also think like, I like I I I think Ali Sheedy makes the movie work because it, like it's it's hard to believably act like you're falling for a robot like in a platonic way like it's like it's the brother she never had or the brother that died horribly in a boating accident like it's it's it, it does feel like it's her kid brother and she really wants to protect him um and there's some really honest work there from ali sheedy who's working opposite a robot right like a 19 1980s movie robot um, that's, that's tough, difficult stuff to do. And not like the most fleshed out character otherwise, right? Like she's got her skunk and her cats and, um, but it, there's not a lot of meat on the bone with the rest of the character too. So the fact that right. she's able to do that without a lot of, um, additional traits, <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> like just two dimensional woman that dated a jock is kind of like yeah. loves animals as a pacifist. Um, she she does a really all, all the acting performances in this are are pretty good. Like it, it mm -hmm. definitely helps it out. Yeah, um, uh, yeah, and I I, know, I honestly just I I think that it it really succeeds uh, where a lot of other movies of the time did not in in um, in imbuing its non-human character with as many human traits as possible. Um, oh, she says all uh, at the end. He says number five is a dumb name. Want to be Johnny, Johnny Five, um, and that that's that's it. That's literally like the second to last line of the entire movie. Yeah, is um, he gets a name, and everybody knows him as Johnny Five. But he's only ever really called Johnny Five in Sword Circuit Two, which a lot of less people have watched. Um, but everyone knows him as Johnny Five. Yeah. Um, I wasn't like, oh, I'm salivating for the sequel with this. Yeah, it's also just not at all nearly cl close to, like, it's so weird. Like, 
ben, that sequential to the movie as a sequel? No, it's a ben, spin-off ben of is, itself. Ben almost. is making toys that look like little miniature number fives. Like that's what he's done doing with his life now. That he's and and again, I don't remember why, but Stephanie and Newton Crosby PhD send him Johnny Five in a crate, and then Ben and Johnny Five get into hijinks. Um while trying to foil a bank robbery. That is the plot of the movie. How didn't we do that? I don't know. Who Maybe boy. we have to do that. Maybe we have to do that one. We next. might have to no. we might have to come back for that. We might have to come back for that one. All right, everybody. Uh we're keeping the flick in because honestly, uh, e- even with huge even asterisk. With Huge Even asterisk. with the painted brown white man and the anti-Semitic joke being the like deus ex machina of the entire film, even with all of that, I still recommend it. It's a lot of fun. It's a fun watch. It's a fun watch. And certainly comparatively to a lot of the other things we've watched on here. Let's mm. say. Yeah, that's true. That. All right. So we're keeping the flick in. Keep it in. And next week, we'll probably get the flick out of here. Until next week, everybody. Have a good, have a good week. Bye. Bye. R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Click the subscribe button and find out what it means to me. Nah, that doesn't have a ring to it. But if you like videos about real news stories that are funny, stupid, or weird, subscribe now.